notes tonight. And does anyone need the outline tonight? If you need a copy of that, if you slip your hand up and everyone got one, there should be two, well, it's technically four pages, but two pieces of paper. We don't like to waste paper, so we use front and back. And so, um, uh-oh, look, that showed up on my, I was looking at that earlier today. I didn't want that to come up now. Here we go, Romans. We're getting through the Bible. We're going to be through here before too long. And we're here in the book of Romans. We're going to take our Bibles to Romans chapter 1. We're going to read the first 17 verses tonight, and then we will dive into some thoughts on the book of Romans. Romans 1, verse number 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he hath promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called to Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, and that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request that by any means now at any length I might have a... um, Prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you, for I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hereto that I might have some fruit among you also, even, um, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as, is, as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For as the power of God unto salvation... To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Father, I pray that you'd bless our time tonight. Thank you for your love and for your mercy, and thank you for who you are. Thank you for this passage of Scripture, and as we're here tonight, as we read this here, Father, I pray that you'd help us and guide us tonight through the Scriptures. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as we get started there a few weeks ago, four different insights to Christ, four different lights. Matthew, Jesus is the King of Kings or the King of the Jews. The book of Mark, he's the servant. In the book of Luke, he's the perfect Son of Man. And in the book of John, he is the Son of God. And we see Jesus' ministry. We see his calling of the apostles. We see his death his burial, his resurrection. We see the book of Acts as we started last week. And the book of Acts takes us from Jesus. This same Jesus was taken up from them. And we see the Holy Ghost came upon them. And the churches got established. And we see the history of the church start to take off. 
That's really all the narrative that we're given in the New Testament. Acts gives you the history of the church, and then we get to the book of Romans and all the way really through the end of the Bible, through at least the book of Jude, Revelation would still be another letter that was written. These are letters that were written. They're the Pauline epistles. There are several of them. Anybody know how many Pauline epistles there are? Anybody know? That'll be your homework assignment for next week. Say, Pastor, do you know how many there are? I do, but I'm not going to tell you. I want you to figure that out for yourself next week. If anybody can remember that next week, I'll give you a little prize. And I, some people count Hebrews, some people don't. Let's not count Hebrews because it doesn't specifically say, although I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, but that's another story for another time. But we get to the book of Romans. The rest of the, of the New Testament, the book of Revelation is prophecy, but it's filled with letters, and they're known as epistles. Letters written between church leaders and Christians in different parts of the Roman Empire. And we see tonight the first of the Pauline epistles is the book of Romans. Now, it's not the earliest written. Does anybody, why would, why would Romans be the first one? It was Acts, Romans. Anybody have any idea why that order was done? As a prisoner of Rome, that's true. But it's interesting that the order where we get from Romans through, you know, all of Paul's epistles, I would say his last epistle would be, um, it would be Philemon, probably, and then you could, Hebrews maybe after that, they go based on length. The longest of Paul's epistles is Romans. And then first and first Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So if you don't believe me, later on you can go through and look. And Joe's back there counting. You want me to keep going with the rest of them? I'll stop there and make it so you have to look it up. But they're arranged in order from the longest to the shortest. This is the, probably the, most, the fullest of all of Paul's letters, and it's a doctrinal masterpiece. And it establishes so many of the key fundamental doctrines that should guide our lives. And one of the things I want to remind you of, and I've said this before in church, but as we study Paul's epistles, this is where church doctrine comes from. Some people make a mistake when it comes to church doctrine, and they get their church doctrine from the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a great book, but the book of Acts is a history book. And there are things that happen the first time things happen in the book of Acts where it doesn't work that way the rest of the time. You know, the first time the Holy Spirit came upon people is a little different than how it is today. It was the first time. It was done a little bit different. So a lot of our Pentecostal folks would get their theology or their doctrine from the book of Acts. For a church, our doctrine comes from Paul's epistles written to the churches. If we were to go through the book of Romans, and sometime this is a little tougher of a book, sometime I'm going to go through the entire book of Romans, and it will be, it'll be a lot of work on my part, but it covers all the major doctrines. And Paul Paul has an interesting setup to everything, and you'll see in a few minutes I'll talk about, but all of Paul's epistles, he has a certain way that he writes them, and I'll explain that to you in a minute. But the book of Romans covers justification, sanctification, eternal security, freedom from guilt, submission to authority, covers sin, death, grace, faith, righteousness, redemption, resurrection, glorification, and so many other major doctrines are all found in the book of Romans. And as we get here tonight, and as we talk about 
the book of Romans, I think the key, the title, if I were to give a key to the, to the book or a title, it would be the gospel is the answer for everything. The gospel. What we're going to see, we're going to look and we're going to break down this book here in just a minute, but we see right away, Paul says right at the beginning, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel, the good news of God. Verse 16 tells us, therefore, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Verse 15 says, so as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. And may I just remind you tonight that the gospel is the answer. You know, we look around, you know, whoever wins this election, that's not the answer. You know what the answer is tonight? It's the gospel. That's the answer because a president can't change people's hearts. No matter what happens, we heard it was going to be a blowout one way, didn't we? Isn't that what all the polls said? What you see is you have a nation divided in half is what you have. And you've got, your, you've got all sorts of people everywhere in between. It wasn't a blue wave. It wasn't a red wave. It split pretty much down the middle. We're a divided nation. That's what we are right now. And how do we fix the divide? Oh, we just love everybody and do all this and that. I do think all the way around, everyone needs to be nice to one another. I love our president right now, and I'm proud of what he's done in the four years he's been president. But sometimes I would like him to be a little nicer and a little bit more not so rough on the And maybe as a president, I like that. I do like that for him. But as a Christian, you got to be nice. That's why I, I love the balance between Trump and Pence. Because Pence, he's just a good, good Christian man. And Trump's getting better. But the gospel's the answer. You know what our area needs? They need the gospel. It's what San Bernardino County needs. You know what L.A. County needs? To have an earthquake and be put in the ocean. No, not that. Um, they need the gospel. What does all those northern California cities need? Yeah, a big earthquake and just go, put a big gate around them, just leave them all out there and let them figure that out. Split the, split the state up. Put all the put all of San Francisco, that whole area down to L.A., bunch them up and let them be their own thing, and we'll put a wall between them and us. But anyways, they need the gospel. That's what they need. People need the gospel. That's what this book is all about. The gospel is the answer. And 2,000 years later, guess what? The gospel is still the answer, and it will not ever change. It will always be the answer. Something interesting, if you read verse... Um, 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as is written, the just shall live by faith. Martin Luther, when we think about the Reformation, that's the verse that he couldn't deal with as a Catholic priest. And he, he wrote next to that verse, sola scriptura, the scripture only. He realized that things were not how the way he was doing it wasn't the right way. As we look at this here, and as we study through here, the book of Acts traced the movement of the gospel from Jerusalem to Rome, and the Roman Empire was in charge of everything. And what you'll see is, 
through these epistles, you'll see all these churches in different places and letters being written to them of encouragement, sometimes helping correct things. The book of 1 Corinthians, there are some issues going on. The church in Corinth, so it was written to them to help them fix some issues that they had. But it was to teach them some things and a letter to them. And we see right away, Paul, in all of his letters, he begins talking about, he mentions the fact that he's a servant of Christ and he's separated of the gospel. He always mentions how he always prays for these different churches. You look at through all of his epistles, you see it here, that he always makes mention of them in his prayers. He does all of these things. He longs to see them there in Rome. And the church at Rome, if you'll, if you'll think about it with me, was full of not just Jewish believers. They had Gentiles too. And because you had Gentiles and Jews together, and it caused conflict. There was a conflict between them. We've studied the book of Ephesians and other places, and you saw how the Jews have this idea like they're better than everybody else. And no one, that's our God. And then Jesus is like, no, I died for everyone. And they're allowed to come in now too. The Gentiles are. And even in the book of Acts, they kind of had a problem when the Gentiles, no, if you're going to, if you're going to trust in God and our God, you've got to be circumcised, and you've got to do this and follow the law. And they just didn't quite get it. So the church at Rome had Gentiles and Jews there. There were issues there. They had people of different backgrounds. There was all, there's going to be conflict. And conflict, you've got to understand something, conflict is not always a sign of a wrong relationship. It's a sign that you're in a relationship. It's how the question that becomes is how do you deal with conflict? The book of Romans was probably written from Corinth during Paul's third missionary journey, somewhere around 57 AD. It was during the teenage years of the emperor Nero, and the same Nero's the one who would kill Paul later on. And so if we were to break down an outline of the book, let me give you the outline tonight. Number one, we're justified by the gospel. We're justified by the gospel and you'll see that from chapter 1 through chapter number 4. Chapter 1 goes into great detail. Verse 18 through the end of the chapter talks about, and you could look at society today and see how far we've fallen. Let's just look there for a minute. Where, how are we doing on time? We're all right. Look at verse number 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What is that saying right there? No one has an excuse not to know who the Lord is. So what about someone in the middle of the jungles of Africa and they don't know God? We've studied before. In the book of John, the beginning there, every person that comes into this world has a little bit of light in them. The Bible says that that light, the Bible says how the righteous of God is revealed from faith to faith. We read that just a couple verses up from here. But look at verse number 21. It says, but that because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds 
and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Doesn't that kind of sound like our world today? We worship the creature more than the Creator. But keep on reading. It says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burn in their own lust toward one another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And it goes through a list of other things going through the end of the chapter. And do you see it talks about homosexuality right there? You see as a society gets worse and worse, and the further you get away from God, these things happen. There are some Christians out there that would take that verse where it says that God gave them over to a reprobate mind. They would say that no homosexual could ever get saved because when you get to that point, you, you are, you're a reprobate. You read that verse a little bit deeper and you look, there's a progression there. You see those things happen. It says that God gives them over to a reprobate mind. At some point, you keep doing wrong, he will give you a reprobate mind. But we could also look in 1 Corinthians where it says there were feminine um, those who, abusers of mankind. And the Bible says, and such were some of you, but you're saved, you're washed, you're clean. And just because someone is a homosexual doesn't mean they can't get saved. There are many Christians who say they got to turn from their sin and you're adding works to salvation. That's not how salvation was set up. Did you have to turn from your sin, all your sin, and name all your sin? Well, it's, diff- it's not different for them. It's the same for everybody. And so... Don't get too high and holy and on your high horse or anything like that. They can't get saved. But I will tell you, there is a point of no return with that reprobate mind. This is the thing you've got to realize. It's not up to me when the reprobate mind comes. That's God's doing. We need to love all people and tell everyone the gospel. And we could go deeper into that, but we'll stop there. We see, so we see justified by the gospel from chapter 1 through chapter number 4. Letter A underneath that. We see that the Gentiles are guilty of sin. That's listed there, verse 18 through verse 32 of chapter number 1. The Gentiles are guilty. And then because the church there is full, and I think that Paul does this on purpose this way. I think the Jews are like, yeah, get them. They need that right there. But do you know what Paul goes on to next? The Jews are guilty. That's chapter 2 through chapter 3, verse number 8. And there's a lot of theology in this passage. And uh, there are some out there who think that the Jews have been replaced by the church. And if you study the book of Romans, you see that there is no way that's possible. And so, but the Jews are guilty, the Gentiles are guilty. And you say, well, what's the answer to all of it? Look at chapter number 3. Look at chapter number 3. Look at what it says in verse number 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, not in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. The rest of the chapter, verse 9 through verse 26, talk about the gospel. So the Gentiles are guilty, 
the Jews are guilty. Let her see the gospel is the answer. That's what they need. Let's read from verse 20 through verse number uh, 31. It says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God has set to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, and we read these verses a few weeks ago as we talked about this, but we see that Paul starts out, Hey, the Gentiles are guilty, the Jews are guilty, the gospel's the answer. And because the gospel, you can be justified, you can be declared righteous. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. Hey, you can have a new status, you can go from being a sinner to being forgiven. You can have a new family and be adopted into God's family, and you can have a new future and you can be transformed from what you were before. We see justification by the gospel. We see Gentiles are guilty, Jews are guilty. Gospel is the answer. Letter D, justification is by faith. We see that at the beginning of chapter number 4. It says, What shall we then say? Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath not whereof the glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. And we see that justification is by faith. So we see from chapter 1 through chapter number 4, we see the justification by the gospel. Number 2, we see how we are transformed by the gospel. In chapter 5 through chapter number 8, Chapter 5 through chapter number 8, we see some things. The gospel is not just for, uh, for justification, it's for sanctification. The process of becoming more like Christ, being set apart for use in God's service. And the gospel not only changes, think about this, doesn't just change our future, it changes our present. Where, what, as we move forward, it should impact, the gospel should change everything about us, the way we live where we go, our priorities, all those things should change because of the gospel. And we see all of those things. And we see in chapter 5 and chapter 6, we see how the first Adam changed the way we lived. Because of the first Adam, sin came into the picture. But because of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, we have hope and we can have forgiveness of our sins because of what he did on the cross for us. And Romans chapter number 8 is a great chapter that talks about the Spirit of God filling us and indwelling us and how He works in us. And some of those verses that we know, then we know that all things... Hey, Christian, November 4th, 2020, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. All things. Viruses, presidential elections... 
all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Very next verse, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Some of the things we go through to help us become more like Christ. You go through the rest of chapter number 8 there, and there's so many great verses. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we see how we are transformed by the gospel. We see that from chapter 5 through chapter number 8 which leads us to number three, how we're separated by the gospel. We're separated by the gospel. That's chapter 9 through chapter 11. And what are some of the things covered from chapter 9 through chapter 11? That all things are not the same. Do you know chapter 9 through chapter 11, one of the things that you learn through there, that all all humans are not children of God. I hear way too many people say that. In order to be a child of God, you must accept his son. And you get adopted into God's family. We are the children, really, of the devil, of wrath. That's what the Bible says. Before salvation. And all things are not the same. Everyone's not a child of God. Everyone doesn't go to heaven. We see this through chapter 9 through 11. Chapter 9 deals with Israel, and there's a lot there. And it, it's like Israel, no, hey, it's not about your bloodline it, or your lineage. It's about faith. It's about faith in the Lord, and it's always been that way. That, and it goes through. That's how it was for Abraham. That's how, how it was for Ishmael and Isaac. That's how it was for Esau and Jacob. That's how Jesus, how it was for his followers. And we see all these things, and then... So rich. Go to chapter 11. And I know I'm covered. I'm gonna, I, I, I've been praying about on Sunday nights. This next Sunday night is going to be our final night in the book of James. I think we're going to go to the book of Romans on Sunday nights. I've been praying about it for a while. And tonight, this book of Romans is just eating me up. And it's been eating me up all week. We're going we're gonna to do on Sunday nights the book of Romans starting a week from now. Unless the Lord comes, which would be fine with me as well. And so, but look at chapter 11. And look at this, the last couple of verses, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath given, first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Something that's interesting too, and I didn't go into it, Paul quotes a lot of Old Testament. You know, the just shall live by faith, that's from the book of Joel. Right here, who hath been the, who, who hath, um, who hath been the Lord's counselor? It's from Isaiah. And so you see over and over these Old Testament examples and verses that Paul quotes in the books. But what happens is it goes from teaching us so many wonderful things from chapter 1 through chapter number 11, it goes to because the Lord's done all this for you, now chapter 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, 
by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You have 11 chapters of doctrine, and the last five are practical application because of the doctrine. That's how Paul does all of his epistles. Remember how we went through the book of Ephesians? First three chapters are all doctrine. This is how the Lord's accepted you. He loves you. He's done all these things. And then because of that, now live this way. That's how Paul's epistles are written and set up. And that's what we see, which leads us to number four, that we're unified by the gospel. Man, chapter 12, you want to get convicted about if you're living life like a Christian? Read chapter 12. Just spend some time there and see how we should be acting. And just to let the last verse help you out, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Hey, don't forget that. Don't be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. This world likes evil, and it will use evil against us. But that's not how we that's not how we roll. We're to do what's right. We could carry that on, but we'll say that for another time. Chapter 12 there teaches love, forgiveness, humility, and service to one another. Which is when you think about it, this teaches us that the love of Christ, the gospel, leads us to be people overcome by love and leads us to live in the same love to others. Chapter 13 goes into how we're supposed to treat and when it comes to those that are over us. And how we, you know, we look at it, it says, let every soul be subject unto the higher power. And it talks about law enforcement. It talks about governors. It talks about presidents and how we are supposed to be under them and how, we, how things are supposed to be. And we need to, as Christians, we need to do our very best to obey those that God puts over us. But I will remind you that there is a time when the leaders go against God in this book, there is a time where you choose this book over following a leader. And you cannot ever forget that. And that's why tonight, if we followed the leadership of our state, we wouldn't be in church tonight. But I don't follow Gavin Newsom on that one. You know, when I go into stores places, I put on a mask. That's a thing that they have. I do it. I follow the rules as best as I can. I, if I, when I'm on the roads, I try not to speed. I try not to pull up my cell phone and be on it. I try. Every once in a while it happens, but I try. Why? Because those rules are there, and God's ordained those over us. And we look today, and parents, we need to do a good job, and I know I'm running out of time, but... God puts these rulers over us. You need to teach, and we're losing, and we've lost it in our society. The respect for police officers. The respect for those in authority. The respect, if things don't change and we get who we get for president, the respect for president. It's sickening how people have responded to Trump with their lack of respect the past four years. But it should be we should be just as respectful us to Biden as we would be to Trump. Because God puts people in places. Don't forget that. We need to be respectful. You need to be respectful. You know, you know why people don't like officers a lot of times? Because they get in trouble. 
you want to not, you, the best thing to do, you want to not have a problem with officers at all, don't get in trouble. Wow, wow. And I know some people say, well, if you live in certain communities and you, you look right and you got nothing to worry about. Ryan was talking to me before the service tonight and they still don't have my background done for the police department yet. And one of the things, and he mentioned to him, he mentioned to me the other day, he's like, you by far have the cleanest background. I've, you are the easiest background I've ever done. He said, but if I rush it too much, they're going to think that I didn't do my job, so I got to drag it out a little bit. I think that that's a good thing. And I told him that, and he's like, well, you'd be surprised. We've had a few guys come to be a chaplain. They have a bunch of stuff in their background, and then it doesn't happen. Just we got to, and when it comes to authority, do what's right. Chapter 14. Chapter 14, every Baptist should have to memorize that chapter. It's how to treat Christians that differ with you in different areas of non-essential practices. Let me just tell you, I'm not, I'm not going to park on it, but let's say a Christian has a different thought on something than you do. Let's, let's see if I can think of a good example here. So we'll use, we'll pretend two people are in this room. And one person loves hymns, and they hate newer contemporary songs. And then you have some young person in here that loves contemporary new songs, but hates those old dry hymns. You need to get along with each other. Oh, but they're wrong. Paul says, let everyone be fully persuaded in their own mind. Hey, if, uh, if you don't eat meat, I feel bad for you, okay? But that's between you and God. I can still get along with you. And in fact, I'll invite you to my house, and I'll give you a salad if you want, okay? I'll eat your meat. You know, you don't eat bacon? More for me. But I'm not going to pick a fight with you because you don't eat bacon, and I do. Or you like Pepsi, and I like Coke. No saved person likes Pepsi products, okay? They're, they're just not very good. I'm a Coke guy. That's the best. But just because I think something's better doesn't mean we need to argue about it. Or I'm a better Christian because I, I live a more holy life than you do. Or I wear a skirt all the time and you don't. That happens in Baptist worlds a lot. Let everyone be fully persuaded in their own mind. You're not going to do everything the same as everybody else. You might not like, everyone's going to have different tastes and different likes of things. Now, if it's a doctrinal issue, doctrine we got to be set on. But if you don't want to eat meat, go ahead. If you want to be that way, go ahead. That's your business. No, it's okay. You want to be a Democrat. Be fully persuaded in your own mind. And I still love you. It's okay. But that's what chapter 14 is all about. It would be good for every Christian to read chapter 14. It would be such a help to a lot of us. And this is, and you say, well, why was that so important here? One of the things you've got to realize, the Jews had so many traditions. Traditions. The Gentiles didn't have the same traditions. They were opposite. And what Paul is trying to teach them is how to handle those sensitive issues 
But if they're not a biblical mandate, get over yourself. It's okay. Read chapter 14 sometime. Chapter 16, go there with me, and we're just about done. Chapter 16, we see Paul goes through and mentions some folks here. Chapter 16, verse 1, he mentions Phoebe there. And then he lists 29 names of people that they've never met there in Rome. Some were Jews, others were Gentiles. Some were high ups, some were slaves, some were men. Some were women. Some had their cell phones go off. Some didn't have their cell phones go off. But of the 29 names listed in chapter number 16, you know what they all had in common? The gospel of Christ. I mentioned 11 chapters of doctrine, 5 chapters of practical application, and doctrine should change the way that we live. And I mentioned to you already, Romans 12, 1 and 2, but what you believe, and this is, if you want to write something down, what you believe determines how you behave. What you believe determines how you behave. And then we go to the end of the chapter, verse 25, now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the beginning of the world, but now is made manifest. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all the nations for the obedience of faith to the God only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. A lot of great things in the book. Let's go ahead and start the first video.